Hey there, you're listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast, made with love by Christian Challenge students and staff at the University of Southern California. We seek to connect and equip students to know Jesus, live lives that are honoring to Him, and make Him known to their communities. You can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com and connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at USC Challenge. Welcome to Challenge. Well, welcome to Challenge again tonight. And like Devin said, uh, I am actually probably the third top walker on this Zoom call because my mom's on this call too. So, um, But either way, I'm excited to be here uh, tonight. And thanks for taking time on your Thursday night uh, for your wellness day to come. I hope it was an enjoyable or for maybe you guys that had to do work, at least a productive wellness day. Uh, but this is our last, our second to last uh, challenge. Uh, of the semester. So um, I'm glad to be able to share with you guys tonight. And so tonight we're going to be wrapping up uh, a two-part series that we started last week, that Eric started last week, entitled Uniquely You. And so I had to rack my brain all week to come up with a title for this week. So I decided to do Uniquely You Part 2. And I hope you, uh, you know, will remember that. But last week, if you guys remember, Eric did a great job uh, explaining that's right. Uh, creative. Great. Eric did a great job explaining, um, you know, how God has really uniquely uh, designed each one of us for a purpose. And when we become followers uh, of him, he gives each one of us at least one spiritual gift that Eric talked about. Um, but those gifts, uh, just like our unique design, they're not to be used for selfish gain or to really compare and compete with other people. Rather, as First Peter 4.10 talks about, we want to use our gifts to really serve other people and build them up. And we're really to be used as sort of channels of God's grace and how he wants to administer that to different people. And then connected to this, Eric talked about how since it's God uh, who really uniquely wired our personality and gifted us, we shouldn't despise the way that we're made, nor should we boast in it. Rather, we are to be called or to be found as faithful stewards of the gifts that God's given us. And so the question we want to be asking ourselves is not uh, how am I doing compared to the guy or girl next to me? You know, how do I stack up? Rather, we want to be regularly asking and sort of having on the dashboard of our life the question of am I being faithful with the gifts that God's given me? Am I using the talents and the gifts that God's given me to really bring glory to him and really advance his kingdom? And so tonight I want to talk about some practical ways that we can begin to discover and really develop and really leverage uh, our unique wiring and gifts so that we can be found faithful in doing our part to really shine our light on God and to really help other people come to know him and to grow in a relationship with him. Because guys, I, I, I would submit to you that the best thing we have to offer people outside of the good news of Jesus is really a better version of ourselves. And that doesn't happen overnight. Um, or it doesn't happen just because you pray a prayer, but it happens over time by God's grace as you walk with him and as you really begin to discover and grow to become all the man or the woman that he's created you to be. And so the question I really want us to unpack tonight and kind of dive, delve into more is this. How do we discover and develop and leverage our uniqueness for God's glory and his kingdom? How do we discover and develop and leverage our uniqueness for God's glory and his kingdom? Um, 
And I'm going to kind of cover in three sort of main categories tonight, just so you know, and I'll tell you those kind of up front. It's kind of in the area of spiritual gifts. Uh, the second category being really in the area of personality and wiring. And then the third really being, you know, learning from and partnering with people uh, in light of our unique makeup. Now, before we dive into these categories, I'll just tell you from personal experience uh, and then from, you know, having worked with people over the years that having an accurate view of yourself can be difficult. It can be really difficult um, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes we're just foggy about our wiring and makeup. Um, sometimes it's difficult because it forces us to really face the facts about different things about ourselves that honestly we're a bit insecure about and we'd rather not give much thought to. And along with other things too, it's just, it's just difficult to get a clear picture of ourselves. So before we dive into these categories, I want to just share three backdrop perspectives um, that I think will really help set each one of us up for success as we are on our journey of discovering and developing and leveraging our uniqueness for God's glory. Um, and I think this will help us to move into these categories with more clarity and confidence. And so the first backdrop perspective is this, you know, our identity and uh, sense of worth are not on trial or up for debate as we pursue developing our unique giftings. Um, they've already been established by God and they're not up for negotiation. You know, two big ways you can really get to know how valuable a painting is. Um, is one, you figure out who painted it, figure out who is the painter. And the second is you figure out what people are willing to pay for that painting. See, if you happen to come across a Jeremy original, that wouldn't be worth very much. But if you came across, you know, a Rembrandt or a Da Vinci, that would be worth quite a bit because of who painted it. And then even more so, when you see how much those paintings sell at auction, then you know how much they're worth. And in a similar way, we know our value because of who made us and what they're willing to pay for us. You see, it says in Genesis 1:27 that God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And so not only were we made by God and in his image, but after we sinned and separated ourselves from God, really condemning ourselves, he was willing to buy us back at the price of his own son's blood, which is why it says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we need to realize, you know, our value and our identity, they're already spoken for. And so we can be confident and relaxed in that, that that's not on the table as we're pursuing and developing our strengths and our unique wirings. And then the second backdrop perspective related to this is we will not get to know ourselves by ourselves. We will not get to know ourselves by ourselves. You know, if you found a random tool or a gadget and you didn't know what it was or how it worked, how would you figure that information out? Well, you would talk to the person that made that tool or that gadget, or you'd read the user's manual of the manufacturer that made it. And in the same way, if we're not, we're not gonna be able to understand our unique wiring and gifting and how we're made and what we're to be using that for, uh, just by navel gazing and just looking into ourselves. Instead, we need to pursue getting to know the God that really made us. That's why I said that we discover, we don't decide who we are because God's already decided that in advance before we were even born. Psalm 139, 13 speaks that, it says, for you created my inmost being and you knit me together in my mother's womb. And God has specifically chosen, as Eric talked about last week, each one of us to live at a particular time in history 
in a specific location in a specific family, as Acts 17, 26 talks about, so that we can really leverage the unique makeup that he gave us to really accomplish the good works God wants to do in our lives. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as you get to know God and the God who made you, you're going to get to know yourself better too. So that's the second backdrop perspective. Then the third that I would submit to you um, that we need to really have in place if we're going to really be able to discover and develop and leverage our unique makeup for God's kingdom and his glory is we have to be clear and have a clear understanding of the mission God's called us to accomplish and then be getting after it. And we have to have a clear understanding of it and then be getting after it. You know, for any of you that have ever played sports or been on some sort of team growing up, uh, you know that in order to be a, a good team member, uh, you need to know um, not only what you bring to the table, but you need to know, you know, the objective of the team, and then you have to get in the game. Um, and in the same way, we need to be clear about our objective as followers of Jesus, and we need to be getting after it. You know, and Jesus speaks to this, you know, to his disciples, and he sums what up the objective is. You know, Coach Jesus sums it up here in Matthew 28. Uh, 19 through 20, about what his followers are beginning after. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's what's commonly known as the Great Commission. And see, as we're growing to really trust um, and apprentice under Jesus in all the areas of our lives, we're to go turn around and help other people begin to do that very same thing. That's what he's talking about here. And it's as we're actively obeying and getting after this, that God's going to reveal more of our unique giftings and really help us to develop in those areas. But see, if we're waiting to get into the game until we have all this mapped out, we're going to be waiting a really long time because God reveals and empowers our giftings in stride with us getting after the mission, not while we sit on the sidelines. And so with those sort of three backdrop perspectives kind of in place and really needing to be in play. Um, now we can kind of look at, okay, these categories of how do we begin to discover and develop, sort of leverage our unique giftings for God's glory and his kingdom. And so the first being, you know, spiritual gifts. Um, when you look at passages like Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about variety of spiritual gifts, what you see is that God gives spiritual gifts to every person who's decided to follow him. And while I don't think these lists are necessarily exhaustive, um, they do give a good sampling of the different gifts that God gives and how he expects us to use them. For instance, in Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And as we seek to really know God and walk with him and help others to do the same, God also gives us an additional specific role to play within the body of Christ um, and those around us. And these roles, these spiritual gifts that he gives us, these roles, they're not to be done instead of fulfilling the Great Commission but they're to be done in the context of fulfilling the Great Commission. So for instance, let's say you're looking at this list here, 
Um, let's say one of your spiritual gifts that God gives you is the gift of encouragement, uh, kind of like he did Barnabas in the book of Acts. Uh, you know, if, if that's a gift that God gives you, then he's going to use you in specific ways to encourage people that really need it at specific times, just like Barnabas did with Paul and John Mark, as well as other people in the book of Acts. However, Barnabas did this in the context of making disciples of Jesus, helping them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And you see this in places like Acts chapter 11, as well as all throughout the book of Acts where Barnabas's name is mentioned. He's making disciples, and one of the trademarks of what he does well, why he does that, is he encourages people. And so the question then is, you know, how do you discover what your spiritual gifts are? Well, simply put, the way you discover what your spiritual gifts are is in the context of getting after the Great Commission, try a lot of different things. Try a lot of different things. And then as you do, pay attention to the crossroads of three different things. Pay attention to things that you're good at. Pay attention to things you enjoy. And then pay attention to things others comment on that you're good at and that they're helped by. And as you seek to try a lot of things like serving or organizing or encouraging or teaching or giving, uh, over time, you're going to begin to see an intersection of these three things, you know, things you are good at, things you enjoy, and things others comment on that you're good at and that they're helped by. For instance, like Eric mentioned, you know, last week, one of his spiritual gifts is preaching, but he didn't know that all along. Uh, he had to begin trying it. And as he did over time, he found out that he was good at it, that he enjoyed it, and that other people were held by it. And it's okay if you try certain things out and it becomes very apparent over time that that isn't one of your gifts. That's fine because, you know, you're just that much closer to figuring out what your spiritual gifts really are. And chances are there's going to be things that you just need to do, whether they're your gifts or not. Um, so to be clear, what just so we're on the same page, what, when I say keep trying things, what I want you to hear is I should take initiative to serve in a variety of ways. I should take initiative to serve in a variety of ways. You know, don't just sit back and wait for people to ask you to do things. Take initiative. Um, and if you don't know where to start, you know, talk to one of the staff about where you can begin to try things out. But whatever your spiritual gifts are, uh, they're going to have to really be developed uh, because you're not going to be amazing at whatever God gets you in right away. That's just not typically how it works. And so practically what that's going to look like is as you're serving in a variety of ways, uh, whether that be in challenge or at your church, uh, you're going to need to consistently be practicing what you're doing and then learning from others who are gifted in those areas to really grow in those. So for my and for myself, I'll give you an example I think a couple of the gifts that God's given me um, would be in the areas of leading and speaking. And I say speaking uh, because I'm not really sure whether I'm a better teacher or a better preacher. Uh, my wife tends to think I teach better than I preach, but that's another subject. So I'm not quite sure. So I'm just going to say generically speaking at this point. But I remember the first time I was asked to uh, speak in a large group setting. Um, and it did not go well, guys. It was pretty terrible. I mean, you think tonight's bad. This was way worse. Um, but it was about a year after I graduated, uh, from the university of Oklahoma and the ministry that I was a part of there, uh, asked me to come back and speak to the, the freshmen and the, um, the sophomores that were a part of the ministry there. And if, if I remember correctly, I think it was about a hundred people or something like that. And I'll just tell you, 
I, I weigh, I mean, I prepared enough content for like a whole series and I tried to jam pack it in one night and I stumbled over my words. I mean, I was losing my train of thought because I was so nervous. I was just sweating profusely. And not only that, but I mean, my transitions were terrible. It, it was bad. It was really bad. I mean, I jumped over all sorts of material. And in case you're thinking, you know, well, Jeremy, you're probably just being too hard on yourself. It probably wasn't that bad. Um, about a week later, after I got back home and tried to think, maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't that bad. I got a package in the mail from the staff person that invited me to come speak down there. And in the package was a book called Communicating for a Change. And uh, it was a gift from him. And inside was a little uh, card that said, thanks for coming. Thought this would be helpful. And he was right. It was helpful and it was needed. And uh, so I read that book and honestly, it was helpful. Uh, but over the years, there's been other needs uh, for speaking to take place, whether it be in one-on-one or small group or large group settings. And so I've continued to practice um, and I've continued to read books by by gifted speakers and continue to get time with people who are gifted at communicating and speaking. And it's an area that I've, I've begun to grow in over time. And while there are many other much more gifted speakers than myself, um, it seems to be over time that it's a gift that God's given me. Uh, others seem to be helped by it. And at times I'm in danger of actually enjoying it. Um, now there's other things I do that just because they're helpful to others and I want to grow in them, and I've gotten better at them, but they're not necessarily spiritual gifts. Uh, an example of that would be something like encouragement, to go back to one earlier. You know, if you ask uh, the men that I've discipled over the years, or you ask my wife or my kids, is one of dad's spiritual gifts encouragement? I think they would all say a resounding no. Um, now, do I encourage them? Yes. Should I probably encourage them more since it's something uh, commanded in scripture, whether it's a gift or not? You bet. Um, but is it a gift? Probably not. Um, I like it to be, but, and I pro could I grow in that? Yeah. But is it probably going to ever be a solid spiritual gift? Probably not. Um, but see, as you take initiative to really serve, as you take initiative to really love people where they're at and really just get in the game of helping them come to know and follow Jesus, begin to pay attention to the areas where you see the crossroads of things that you're good at things that you really enjoy and things that other people are really helped by and they comment on. And chances are you're going to begin to, you know, unpack some of the areas that God's really gifted you. And even when you do, you're going to have to develop those. And then you can really begin to leverage them for God's kingdom. So that's the first category, spiritual gifts. Now the second one I want to talk about a little bit is personality and wiring, personality and wiring. Um, how do you really begin to learn and leverage this part of your uniqueness for God's glory and his kingdom. Well, as you're seeking again to get to know God and to really help others walk with him, one of the first things I'd encourage you to do is become a student of yourself. Become a student of yourself. You know, the English philosopher and author uh, Francis Bacon said this. He said, it is a sad fate for a man to die too well known to everybody else and still unknown to himself. And I would add that that's even more true when you miss out on all the things that God wants to do in and through your life because you're really have a lack of self-awareness about who you are and what you're meant for. And this is part of what Paul is getting at in Romans 12, 
three that we read earlier, when he said, we need to see ourselves with sober judgment. We need to see ourselves accurately. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the quirky, you know, all of it. We need to see ourselves accurately. Not so that we can compare and compete, but so that we can really leverage our unique wiring for God. And this will take time. uh, And you have some things that change over the years. But honestly, guys, it's worth it. So worth it. Uh, So, for example, what would some of that look like? You know, one question might be, you know, when do you work best? Have you ever thought about that or kind of given much attention to that? You know, maybe it's in the morning. You know, maybe it's in the afternoon. Maybe it's in the evening. Do you actually know? And do you really know? Or is it just there's only been certain times you've even been awake or allowed yourself to be awake to even know if that is when you work best, you know, based on your sleep patterns. And so if possible, what I try to do is I try to schedule my hardest work, my most mentally challenging work in the morning. And uh, if it's possible, I do that. If not, you know, that's okay. But that's what I attempt to do. However, when I don't get enough sleep, when I go to bed too late, even my productivity in the morning, is not very good, which leads to another question. You know, how much sleep is a good amount for you? Have you ever experimented with that? Uh, Because, you know, honestly, too little sleep and too much sleep can both be equally unhealthy and unhelpful. Um, One sleep study expert, you know, said in order to determine, you know, what he said, uh, how much sleep you actually need, the proper amount, one thing he suggested is start with eight hours of sleep a night at a consistent time and do that for a couple of weeks. And then shave off 15 minutes of sleep and do that for a couple of weeks. And then shave off 15 more minutes of sleep and do that for a couple of weeks and keep doing that until you begin to figure out how your productivity is really beginning to drop. And then you'll have a more accurate range of how much sleep is too little versus how much is too much. And so these are just a couple of examples, but there's all sorts of things you can begin to learn about yourself and begin to study about yourself so that you can really better leverage your wiring uh, in such a way that really helps bring God glory and really advance his kingdom. And so a second thing you can begin to do to really discover and develop and leverage your personality and wiring uh, is this. Take different personality tests and debrief them with wise people who know you better. Um, Now, I know in a group this size, and I I know some of you guys' opinions are already on this, some of you that I know better. uh, Some of you guys are in love with personality tests. I mean, they're amazing. As others of you probably despise them. Um, And I would encourage both of you to uh, avoid extremes on this. Um, You know, if you love personality tests, remember they are not God's word. Uh, They're not inerrant. But at the same time, for those of you that don't like being pigeonholed and like, I hate being labeled and put in a box, you know, with the personality test, um, I would submit to you, you know, one of the things that's really helpful about these is they put descriptions to ways that you think, ways that you're wired, uh, ways that you're motivated and you, you feel these, you know these to be true, but you've just never really been able to put words to them. And so these can really be helpful in helping you really begin to unpack some more of, you know, how God's designed you and wired you. Um, some of the ones that have been helpful for me in the past, just a short list here, are ones like Strength Finders, uh, or Strengths Finder, uh, Myers-Briggs, uh, the Enneagram ones, uh, different temperament tests. And so if you've never taken any, these might be a good place to start. Um, And if you're set on not taking these tests, you're like, no, I refuse to do it. 
at very least, get around some older, wiser people that know you well and ask them um, different things that they notice about your personality and different things they notice about your wiring so that you're a little more aware of areas that you can be developing and to really be able to leverage them well. Uh, I remember for me, when I did the strength finders test years ago, and I was talking about the results of it with my dad. Um, and one of my top five strengths that came out was responsibility. And I remember telling my dad, I thought that was dumb. Um, and I thought it was dumb because I said, how can that possibly be a strength? That's just part of being an adult. That's like saying one of your strengths is you know how to zip up your pants or you know how to get dressed by yourself in the morning. And I thought like, that's not a strength. That's just like part of being an adult, being responsible. And, uh, and my dad laughed at this and he said, well, you know, actually, um, you think that's just part of being an adult because that's the way you're wired. Um, he said, there's plenty of irresponsible adults out there whose strength is not responsibility. And in fact, they don't even quite think it's necessary to be real responsible. And, and honestly, that was really helpful for me uh, because I began to see the difference between how I thought everyone was versus just how I thought. Um, plus, it really helped me begin to know how to really leverage you know, my own responsibility uh, strength in a right way. And also to see how I would someone take, I would sometimes take on more responsibility than I really should, just because that was kind of the way I was wired. And so this leads and sort of to the third and last part of the personality and wiring that I want to talk about. And that's this, um, you want to really know and live out of your personality and wiring, but you want to be willing to adjust for the sake of the mission that God's given. You want to be willing to adjust for the sake of the mission that God's given. What do I mean by that? Well, God has uniquely made each of us uh, the way he has, just like Eric talked about last week. It's not by accident. Um, but that makeup of each one of us is marred by a thing called sin, you know, and it's been twisted by it. And so we need to be aware of how God made us. That's still, that's still there. That's part of it. But we need to avoid extremes. Uh, for the sake of the mission and for the sake of our own growth. Um, for example, if you're an introvert, you know what that means? One of the things that means is that you tend to need to be, you tend to get refreshed by time alone. And uh, you, so you probably need more time alone than an extrovert. And that's not a bad thing. That's the way God made you. However, you know, introverts need to really be able to push themselves uh, to be around people more often than they think is comfortable so that they can really begin to buy up the opportunities and have a ministry with people that God really intended. Um, and then for those of you that are extroverts, you tend to get refreshed by being with people. However, if you don't learn to intentionally get alone for more than five minutes at a time and to really be able to get time to study and read God's word and to pray and to think and to just reflect on things, you're not going to really develop a very deep walk with God. In fact, it's going to be quite shallow. And so when you are with people, you're not going to have much to offer them. Um, you know, or, or another example might be, you know, some of you might begin to discover that you're more task-oriented people, um, while others of you might go more on the end of the spectrum of being more people-oriented. And both are good. God made both, and he wants both in his kingdom and in his family. However, for those of you that are more task-oriented, uh, you tend to be really efficient with tasks, but you also need to learn to be effective with people. Meaning you don't want to just try to see how quickly you can get 
done, you know, meeting with the person just so you can get back to your tasks. You know, you don't want to treat people like, like they're a project, but you want to really prioritize people in such a way that they're genuinely loved and they're genuinely helped. Even if that does not fit in your color coordinated calendar, you want to figure out how to really prioritize and be effective with people. Um, and so for those of you that are more on the people oriented end of the spectrum, that's a good thing too. And while task oriented behavior may not ever be a real strength of yours, or at least something that you're really excited about, if you don't learn to really begin to organize your life better and contribute more to tasks uh, that are just part of work and part of ministry, then you're going to end up really creating a lot of liabilities for your own growth and ministry. And while people may really like you because you're a people person, eh, they're not going to really be able to depend upon you. Um, and you don't want that either. Now, I could go on, you know, I can give more examples of what this kind of looks like. But for the sake of time, you know, I, I won't. But but just so you know, God will probably primarily work through your strengths and wirings. That tends to be how he works in, in most people's lives. But even those strengths and wirings can be skewed by uh, the effects of sin in our life. And so we just want to be careful and be willing to make adjustments in light of the mission that God's called us to. He did this with the Apostle Paul. He did this, you know, in other people's lives in the Bible. He's done this in my life. I can guarantee you he's going to do it in your life. Three quick points on this, and then we will uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, first, as you learn from others, seek to adapt what you're learning. Uh, seek to adapt what you're learning. Don't just adopt it. Adapt it to your unique makeup. You know, people a lot of times get themselves into some real hot water and sort of all bent out of shape because they're trying to adopt exactly the life of the people that are building into them rather than learning to adapt what they're learning to their specific age and stage and just individual makeup. And a big reason this happens is people oftentimes confuse principles and methods. For example, uh, in learning to have a quiet time, you know, the principle is to have fellowship with God and to learn from him. But the method one guy might use is to get up at 6 a.m. with a cup of coffee and to pace back and forth in a room while they read and journal and pray, you know. However, um, if you don't do it that way, that's fine. You know, the goal is not that you imitate the method. The goal is that you adopt the principle into your life. Um, the same is true in how you get time with people, how you pray how you organize your schedule. You want to learn to adopt the principles that you're learning from others, but adapt the method to the way that works best for you. And if the method you learn from them works best for you, that's great. But if it doesn't, we'll figure something else out. For me, I mean, and guys that I've worked with, they can attest this too. What I usually tell them when I'm teaching something new is I will explain the principle and I'll explain how I do it. And I'll say, hey, this is my method. Try this until you figure something else that, else that works best for you. But until then, you know, a method is better than no method. So try it. And if you figure something else out that works better, do it that way. Um, so that's the first point. Second point is this. Seek to really, as you're partnering with people in ministry, seek to really partner with those that are similar to you, as well as those who are different from you. You know, one of the things that's really great about partnering with people similar to you is it really allows for some good camaraderie and some sharpening in your strengths. Uh, for instance, as I have sought to really partner with people that are really gifted in speaking, I've become a better speaker. 
And I've been encouraged by them. And hopefully I've encouraged them some too. Um, but on the flip side, one of the great things about partnering with people that are different from you is it allows you to collaborate your unique strengths. Um, and it allows you to guard each other's weaknesses. So extroverts, you need your introverts. You know, intense people, you need your relaxed people. Uh, dreamers and planners, you need your implementers, you know, or dreamers, you need your planners and your implementers, I would say. Um, I mean, you get the picture. We, we need, there are benefits to partner with people similar to us, but there's also benefits to partnering with people very different than us. So we need to do both. And then the third and last point is as we seek to really discover and develop and really leverage our, you know, unique God-given giftings, in the midst of really learning and partnering with others, we want to remember that we're on the same team with the same mission. You know, the best thing we have going for us outside of the fact that we are on God's side is the unity in the body that God's given us. Um, and the enemy knows this too. In fact, he knows it so well that he is intent on really, you know, the classic divide and conquer and just causing divisiveness to go within the ranks of the body of Christ. Um, and because uh, if he can get us, you know, comparing, competing, like Eric talked about um, last week, or if he can get us focused on different missions, you know, we each have our own individual mission rather than the mission that God has already laid out and called us to, then he's won. You know, he's gotten us off the page of what God's called us to do. So we want to be diverse. That's how God made us. You know, we want to understand our unique wiring and giftings and leverage and develop those. And we want to each play our role, but we need to remember that we're on the same team and we have the same mission as followers of Jesus, which is to really help people come to know him and develop as mature followers of him and then turn around and reproduce that in the lives of other people. So I hope this series has been helpful for you and just beginning to get a little bit of an overview of what you know your unique wiring looks like and how you can begin to develop that. Uh, let me pray for us and then we will turn it back over to the band. So. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you that you didn't make us all the same. Thank you that we have, uh, you've designed it in such a way that even if we wanted to be independent, we could not um, because you've not given any of us all the cards. And so I do pray that we would really uh, learn to discover our unique wiring and giftings and then really develop those and leverage it, not for selfish gain, but really for your kingdom and for your glory. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Jeremy Walker's message, Uniquely You, Part 2, on the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, leave us a rating and review on iTunes, because it helps us reach others with these resources. Once again, you can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com or find us on social media at USC Challenge. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.